Many couples have found themselves in a situation where they contemplate moving from two incomes into one. If that's you, you're in luck because today on the podcast, we are talking about exactly that. Welcome to the WalletWin Podcast. Each week, we take a look at a different piece of the personal finance puzzle. I'm Jonathan Texera. And I'm Amanda Texera. We're your guides on your journey to getting out of debt, building wealth, and changing the world through generosity. Here we go. Today on the podcast, I am joined by Mark from Vital Dollar, and we are having an oh-so-important conversation. We're talking about transitioning from two incomes down to one. Now, there might be a variety of reasons that a couple would choose to do this. Maybe it's health-related. Maybe their family is growing and someone is going to be staying home with the kids. The most important thing, though, that I want to highlight in this conversation that you're about to hear is the importance of having a plan. This is not something that you just want to cross your fingers and wing. Not something you want to just come home tired on a Friday afternoon and decide you're quitting your job and moving down to one income. (laughs) This is something that will go a whole heck of a lot smoother and be more successful if you plot out a runway uh, for yourself and you make a strategic plan to make this shift happen. It'll be the difference maker between having uh, one income just disappear out of thin air and cause extreme stress and pressure on your family and actually doing it and almost not noticing the second income being gone. And so if this is something that you and your spouse are considering for your family, please join me in today's episode and plot out your plan. Thank you so much for joining me on the Wallow and Podcast today, Mark. We are so glad that you are here to have this much-needed conversation with us. Uh, just I hear from so many families that um, they either have one income and they're struggling to make it work, Or they have two incomes and they'd like to go down to one income, but it's just not possible for them at this moment. And so I think this conversation is very timely and relevant for our listeners. So just thank you again for being with us today. Sure. Thank you for having me. Well, why don't we back things up just a little bit and um, can you tell people just um, what, what it was about your story that kind of got you to the point from shifting from two incomes to one and just kind of give us the context about how that all kind of began. Sure. So, um, my wife and I, before we had kids, we both worked. Um, and so our, our daughter was born about six years ago and, uh, we also have a son now who's three and we had kind of decided before, like several years before, we had kids or a few years before we had kids ideally we would like my wife to be able to have the option to stay home when we had kids um right. and it wasn't something that was like you know 100 percent necessary but would was like you know if, if we have a preference it would be nice if she could stay home and uh so we started to talk about you know how we could get to that point and um and what would you know what would be like to be just on one income and at the time we were living in the philadelphia suburbs mm, so this was pricey back in like 2000 from 2007 to 2010 we had a condo in uh, in new jersey just across the river from philadelphia and the the price of the condo was pretty good but for us to um upgrade to like a single family home was not really possible um especially not on one income so right. 
knew that realistically, if we were going to um, going to survive on just one income, we'd probably have to move. And uh, so I was self-employed. So fortunately, that was um, was possible for us to consider. Mm-hmm. And um, so we did. We moved to where we live now in, in Pennsylvania, which is just about two hours from where we used to live. And this is actually the area where I grew up. Um, and the cost of living is a good bit lower. So we were able to to get a bigger house. Um, that was before we had kids, but, you know, with the, the plan of adding some kids so it was big enough. Right. You know, to to support our family, so we wouldn't have to wouldn't have to move because the condo, it was a two bedroom condo, it was about a thousand square feet. Mm-hmm. It was it was good for the two of us, but it would have been tough with kids, especially with me working from home. Right. So, um, yeah, so that was in 2010 that we moved, and then it wasn't until 2012 that our daughter was born. So we had some time, okay, um, to kind of prepare ahead of time. One of the things that I get. Sometimes from people, you know, when I suggest like, hey, maybe consider moving away from a high cost of living area if you just can't make it work. But sometimes it's they don't want to leave. Um, so can you wor- walk us through maybe did you guys have any of those concerns of, oh, my gosh, you know, do we want to leave friends or what we know to go somewhere different? And how did you navigate those conversations? And how did you ultimately weigh the pros and cons to decide that leaving was right for you guys? Really, and it comes down to your priorities for us. Um, yeah. It was kind of like a choice of, well, would we rather stay here and and live in a, a small condo with a family? Or would mm-hmm. we rather move somewhere else and, you know, have more space and be able to live on one income? Right. And so it really was, it was a pretty easy decision for us, especially for me, because I would have preferred to live where we are now. I don't, I don't really like the city or the suburbs, you know, like uh, I like to have a little bit more space. So mm-hmm. for me, I, I prefer to move. It was a little bit harder for my wife because that's where she was from. And um, so she had more more friends there and stuff. Um but for her, yeah, again, it came down to, came down to, you know, just the priorities, and right. it was, um, you know, when we looked at what our life could be like there, what it could be like here, um, it was just, you know, choosing one over the other. Right. Yeah. Oftentimes, you know, when we're working with with people, we tell them that they can afford almost anything, but they can't afford everything, and so at a certain point. You have to, you know, make a decision of where your resources are going to go. If you scatter them out trying to get everything, you probably, it'll be years before you actually probably get to that point. But if you pivot and make sacrifices along the way, you can get get the end result a lot faster, but you have to make some trade-offs in the meantime. And it sounds like you guys did that, and the pros outweighed the cons in that situation. Yeah, definitely. And where we moved to, where we live now, it's it's not like the absolute like lowest cost of living area. It's it's you know it's sure. a good bit lower than in Philadelphia and the in the suburbs. Um, but it it's not like you have to move to you know the middle of nowhere <laughs> where the cost of living is you know is like the cheapest you can find anywhere. You don't have to um, move to Nebraska just, or anything. That's where we're from. <laughs> okay. Yeah. But so we just literally it's cheaper. You know, we definitely stepped down in cost of living, but mm-hmm. you know, if we were picking anywhere, um, you know, just for the cost of living, we would, you know, we could have chosen somewhere lower. Right, but you still wanted to have some. I mean, yeah, you don't have to move to like a country farm <laughs> to save, 
or be able to live on one income. So when you guys left the city, is that when your wife uh, downshifted and you guys went to one income, or how did that transition look? No, actually, it was a it was about two years later. Um, so it was kind of fortunate how all the, the timing worked out. So I was self-employed, so that part of it, I, I work from home, so that wasn't a big deal. I can work from anywhere. Um, but we weren't quite sure what would happen with her job. And um, she worked for a large national bank, and um, they had a lot of work-from-home positions. So at the time, she was working in, in a huge office. Uh, I want to say they were like 6,000 employees or something oh, wow. um, at the office where she worked. Um, and she was actually able to make connections to some people in some other departments and she found a job where she could work from home. And so that all happened right at the same time. So we, when we moved, we were both working from home. Um, I was, you know, working for myself and she was working across the hall for a bank. Um, but we both worked from home at that point. So that's really what made it possible for us to go, to go wherever. Um, and you know, she didn't have to look for a job here. So it just made the transition a little bit smoother. Okay. And then how did you end up making the final leap between the two incomes to one? And what did you do specifically to kind of plan for that? Because I think a lot of people, sometimes it's like they get frustrated, they just want to stay home, and then they quit without really looking at the numbers. And then two months later, they feel the pinch, and it's like mathematically this was not possible or wise because they're still spending at the rate they did when they had two incomes. Yeah, so the biggest thing for us was we um, we gave it kind of like a trial run, basically. So we knew that we were, you know, planning to to have kids, mm-hmm. and so right around the time that my wife got pregnant, we decided to adjust our budget to live just on my income. So that gave us um, it was actually more than a year because we had most of the pregnancy, and then also her entire maternity leave. So I think she had 12 weeks of paid maternity leave and then she had 12 weeks that she took that was unpaid where she kept her job, kept her benefits and everything. Um, So it was almost six months of maternity leave. So we had basically the the whole pregnancy and the maternity leave to adjust to living on just my income. So we we took her income, we saved everything um, and so we were just spending mine. So that gave us more than a year to basically prove that we could live on what I was making. Right. And um, so, you know, it wasn't like all of a sudden one quick adjustment. Right. Um, you know, it gave us a little bit of time to transition and also time to get comfortable where we said, okay, like we've been doing this for several months now. We know that we know that we can do it and we feel safe with her quitting her job. Um, because part of it too for us was she had a pretty good job. Mm-hmm. Um. So our fear was that she would quit the job and then regret it in like six months. And then, right. you know, if she had to go back and find a job in our local area, it wouldn't be as good as what she had, um, you know, working from home through the bank. Right. So we didn't want that to happen. We wanted to make sure that if she quit, it was at least for a few years, you know, um, something that we weren't going to regret right away. So right. Like, by starting early and planning ahead, it gave us a lot of time to prepare and and get used to it and then just to make sure and have the confidence that it was the right move. Yep. 
I love that you mentioned just kind of get, starting a trial kind of before you make the jump just to make sure you can. I mean, there's so much wisdom in that. And I know it might feel, you know, some people might not have feel like the pa- they have the patience to wait, but you it'll pay off in dividends just by making sure the numbers can work um, by living on one income. And so I love that you guys were just kind of ignoring her paycheck and just kind of tucking it away and then living off yours uh, and proving to yourselves that it really could work. Yeah, and by saving her uh, her paycheck also that kind of gave us a little bit of a, a cushion because we had sure. that set aside. Right. So not only were we not spending it during that year, but we we had that extra savings built up then. So if something would have gone wrong the first couple of months after she left her job, we had yes. some some savings. So it wasn't you know credit card debt or whatever um, that would have been the result. Yes. Yeah. And so just by that trial period and building the savings in the meantime, you guys kind of bought yourself options and the freedom to really discern what it was that was going to work for your family. And so I just, I love that, that you guys had that foresight to really plan ahead and to make this transition out of careful planning instead of just like a knee jerk to being frustrated or overworked. And I, I see so many people kind of rush into that spot and then it you know, ends up biting them in the long haul. Um, and I just love that you guys approached it from a different angle and you kind of meticulously planned for the jump to happen. And then when the right moment came, it was, you guys were ready. The runway was cleared and you were ready for liftoff. Um, so can you tell me just about, um, some other tips that you would recommend? Like there might be people listening to this episode and they're thinking, gosh, like, could I do this? Um, what are some helpful tips that you can give them as they kind of prepare or discern for making a switch themselves? And so one thing, and this is kind of ties back to the previous point too, but I think it's looking at it a little bit differently is I would, uh, I think it's, it's really helpful if you can adjust to living on one income before you give up the second one. Um, it goes back to, to the planning that we talked about, but, um, in some cases, you know, if you're deciding which income to give up, you, you may, depending on on the family, it may be the case where you're giving up the higher income. So, you know, if you were um, if you were planning it out, you'd probably say, um, you know, you're basing your your budget on one income. You'd probably take your the higher of the two incomes and base your budget on that. But if you talk and you know, um, you decide that the spouse that you want to stay home is the one who has the higher income, then that's going to um, obviously be harder to overcome. So I think it's really helpful if you have some time to to budget and uh, adjust your income before you actually give up that second that second income just because it lowers the risk a little bit and gives right. you, um, you know, it, like like we said before, it's like a trial run where it's like you're doing it, but if you fail – you know, it's, it's not that big of a deal. You, you still have the second income rather than just saying, okay, we're going to, I'm going to quit and we're going to go down to one income right away. Um, so budget for one budget for the income that you want to keep and and try, give it a trial run before quitting the job. Um, the other thing that I think is really important and, and really helped us is to prioritize. So, uh, and this is, you know, 
applicable to any type of budgeting. It's not just when you're trying to go down to one income, but um, it's important to know what your priorities are and you don't have to cut back in every area of your budget. You know, if something's important to you, it's possible to continue to spend money on it, but you need to be able to cut back in the areas that aren't so important. So like for us, when we were, before we had kids, we, um, we didn't go out to eat all the time, but we went out to restaurants more often than we do now. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we did, did things like go to the movies. Um, you know, that, that sort of, those types of expenses that aren't really necessary. Um, so, but those things really weren't important to us. So we, we cut out most of that. We will occasionally you know, go out to a restaurant, but for the most part we eat our meals at home. Um, clothes aren't really important to us. So we don't budget a lot for clothes. We buy secondhand stuff. Um, and we just don't buy a lot of it. Um, and we, uh, do our grocery shopping at discount grocery stores and buy generic groceries again, cause those things aren't important to us. Um, but that, that allows us to have a little bit more money for the things that are important, like, um, a family vacation with our kids or, um, we actually moved a couple years ago and spent a little bit more money on a house as we have, um, we had a little bit more saved up because we cut in the areas that weren't important to us. Right. So I think it's important to, to prioritize and know, get on the same page so that you both have, you know, have the same ideas about what's important to you and, and how you're going to adjust your budget accordingly. I love that. Um, because, you know, I think that so many people, they just focus on like, ugh, what I have to give up, but they don't think about if you give up these things, you gain these things. They focus on what they're giving up that might not matter in the end to them that much anyway, instead of looking at what it gets them. And I, you know, you really, you were saying no to things that didn't really, they weren't the most important things to you. So you, you could say yes to all the things that mattered. And so I really want to emphasize to people that, um, sometimes like if you're, if you have a, a boundless income, maybe you don't have to make all the cuts, but most people are going to, you know, at some point have to make tough decisions about what gets funded in their budget against what may, might not. And uh, a prioritized budget where you fund the things that matter the most is what um, just makes that a lot easier. And then your budget is a reflection of your values. Um, and I just think that is so important to, to keep in mind. Now, what if somebody... They want to go to the one income, but they, and they've been budgeting for a while and it's just kind of a, they're, they've cut things that maybe don't matter as much. They're okay letting them go, but they're still not making it. They're still kind of struggling to make that transition, but they know they want somebody to come home. Um, what would be your advice to those people? Um, well, one option that, that you can consider is, um, the person who's staying home doesn't necessarily have to have zero income. So right. there are a lot of things that you could do. You know, like if you have kids, maybe you could could do some work um, while the kids are napping or after they're in bed. Um, there's obviously a ton of different side hustles that you can do online. Yes. Um, you know, maybe you just need a few hundred dollars a month. There's, I think there's a lot of people who are in a situation where even just like $500 a month would make a huge difference and, and make it possible. Or maybe it's a thousand dollars a month. Yes. Um, and that's something that, you know, you wouldn't necessarily have to 
to have a job to do. You could, um, you could find some sort of side hustle or freelance or do something to, to make a few hundred dollars a month just to, to be enough to get by, whether it's, you know, the person who's staying home doing it, um, you know, whenever they're able to, or the other person can potentially, you know, have a side hustle too. So, uh, I think that that's definitely something I would look into. Um, and there's also other ways to increase income aside from a side hustle, like just in your regular job, you know, maybe, maybe you could look into, um, changing jobs to get a higher paying job or, Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. asking for a raise or something, um, potentially working overtime if it's available. So I think, um, increasing income is definitely one option as well. Yep. Um, I always love to tell people, you know, my, our story here at Wallowin was that this was just, Wallowin was a hobby for us for a while. It wasn't called that, but then eventually we kind of turned it into a side hustle and and then it kind of took on a life of its own and we were making more through our business than any day job that we'd ever had. So it's just, there are so many opportunities that the internet gives people these days uh, and apps that are coming up on your phone. Like you could just go be a grocery shopper for somebody at Target um, or right. run, run errands for people. You could set up somebody's Ikea couch and get paid for it. It's just, it's crazy how technology has changed the way people can work and people are taking advantage of that. And I, I love seeing that because it's giving people more flexibility and freedom than they really ever have had. Um, and so if somebody does have a desire to stay home, you're so right that they, they kind of have a, a smorgasbord, a platter of opportunities they could kind of just sift through and look and try a few and see what works. But at the end, it's not that difficult to make 500 to even a thousand bucks a month. Um, you don't have to like work 90 hours a week to get that. It's actually pretty feasible to do that without a ton of crazy effort. Yeah, there's definitely opportunities out there. You just have to, to find the right one that fits with your schedule and stuff. Yes. And, I mean, there we all know that there's some scammy things out there or things that are like, hey, fill out these this survey and it'll take an hour and they'll give you a dollar. <laughs> like, there's some lame side hustles out there, uh, but there really are so many that give you bang for your buck and are worth pursuing. And, I mean, just... Doing a quick internet search, will you'll find listicle after listicle of options that you might have before you. Yep. So actually in WalletWin, um, we have a PDF that we give people because we actually looked at our income from, gosh, I think 2018, and we had over two dozen streams of revenue into our family. Um, just because we believe in diversifying our income as much as possible and we love side hustles. And so I'm going to link to that in the show notes in case anybody wants some inspiration. Um, but Mark, do you have any resources that would just kind of be a next step for people? Like if they want to go deeper and learn more about this with you? Uh, Yeah, I actually have, uh, an article on my blog that lists, it's, um, it's over 150 different side hustle ideas. Well, there you go. Okay. Um, yeah, so I can send <laughs> you the awesome. link for that as well. Okay. Perfect. We'll put that in the show notes as well. 150, that's that's so many. That's awesome. And then where can people keep up with you, Mark, if they want to continue the conversation or ask questions? My my blog is at vitaldollar.com, 
And uh, if anybody wants to get in touch with me, the best way is usually through email. And um, if you go to the website and go to um, down in the footer, there's a link, a contact page link. And people can get in touch with me. Um, that's usually the best way. Okay. Awesome. Well, thank you for having this conversation with us. I'm so glad that you kind of shared how you and your wife made the leap from two incomes to one. I know that there are plenty of listeners that are feeling inspired by this conversation and they're ready to go kind of test their numbers, plan their runway, kind of to shift into that one income and maybe even boost their income to make up for the difference. So thank you again for your time and for sharing your wisdom and your journey with us. Sure. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Thanks for joining us today. You can learn more about this show and the Walletwin program at walletwin.com. Music in this episode is from Dylan Gardner. Listen to his new album, Almost Real, on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your music. See you next week.